1: Wherever you listen. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. And the dogs were barking in the NHL, and yours truly missed out. And it's a shame, too, because Last night on this very program, we sniffed it. We sniffed it out. We said that we think, well, I said that I think, but you know, I'm talking about the show as like a collective. That there's going to be some upsets. Because of the lines, how heavily favored some of these teams were, I said the right move is to play some of these dogs. And i Jokingly talked about having the dogs in a money line parlay and looking at all three of the heavy dogs, meaning the Ottawa Senators on the road in Florida as a heavy underdog of plus 320. I talked about taking the Arizona Coyotes as a plus 320 underdog against the Avalanche. And the Canadiens as a plus 330 underdog in Calgary against the Flames. And remember I said a three-team Moneyline Parlay would pay out plus 62 and change? Like, that was some over, you're getting over 60 to one? Almost 63 to one? That's a great payout. Well, here's what went down. Senators lost to the Panthers 3-0. Got outplayed. Happens all the time to them. Don't worry. But the Coyotes beat the Avalanche 2-1. Second time they've beaten Colorado in the last couple of weeks. And the Canadians, in overtime, beat the Flames 5-4. The play was a three-team round robin because if you would have done a three-team round robin with those three underdogs, because two of them hit, it would have been profitable because just a two-team parlay with those two teams, you're talking plus three, what did I say? It was plus 330? So, plus 330 and plus 320, you're talking about a payout of 1706. 17 to 1 on that ticket. So, you would have had a very, very profitable night had you done the round robin there. You know, I actually have a live betting story. Didn't go my way. But I was watching the Canadiens and the Flames in the third period. And. Montreal tied the game. So at this point, it was 3-3 with about uh, 15 minutes to go in the game. And at that point, you know, you had... Calgary was up 3-1. to Montreal scores at the end of the second period, and then they scored here with first four minutes of the third period. And I was thinking, man, Montreal's playing hard. And so... I went to go live bet Montreal. And at that point, they were plus 200 on the money line. And at plus 200, I said, I like it. I think they can win this game. But let's have some fun, right? A little sprinkle let's roll the dice a little bit. So I looked at the puck line, the alternate puck line. And I found... <laughs> A live bet on uh, Montreal minus a goal and a half at plus 800. With three minutes left in regulation, Montreal scores and takes the lead. It is 5-4. The net is empty. Montreal shoots for the empty net. It goes wide for an icing. The ensuing offensive zone faceoff won by the Calgary Flames who keep the puck in the zone with the extra attacker. And Elias Lindholm knocks in a rebound for the game-tying goal with 27 seconds left in regulation. And then Montreal gets the winner. About a minute into overtime, they win 5-4. to four. But, man, plus 800 would have been very, very fun <laughs> if the Canadiens were able to find that empty net. Dogs, though. I mentioned the underdogs really uh dominating the day, and, and and that's what it was in the NHL. So uh the Wild won 5-4 against the Flyers. That was a favorite. Same thing with the Panthers winning 3-0 over the uh Senators. The Capitals as a small underdog, plus 110, uh beat the Hurricanes 4-0. The Penguins as plus 150 underdogs won 5-1 against the Lightning. The Canucks and Islanders was kind of an even game. You can get plus money on both of these teams. Uh, So, really, um, the Canucks kind of went off as the dog. They win 4-3 against the Islanders. The Blackhawks as a plus-128 dog beat the Oilers 4-3. The Bruins as a – both teams were kind of – it was pretty even. Both teams minus 110. Bruins win 5-2 against the Golden Knights. I mentioned the Coyotes winning as a heavy underdog and the uh, Canadiens winning – as a heavy underdog. So it was a, a a night of dogs here in the NHL. And coming up on Friday, uh, some decent games on the schedule, including Vegas playing the second night of a back-to-back in Anaheim against the Ducks, and, and I'll be honest, I kind of like the the Ducks in this spot cuz Vegas hasn't been playing well and uh they're favored second night of a back-to-back. I might have to take the Ducks here in this one. You got Dallas minus 110 at Winnipeg, kind of like Winnipeg at home there. Uh, The Kings minus 145 at Columbus. Penguins playing the second night of a back-to-back. They are in uh, Carolina to face the Hurricanes. Canes are minus 150. Rangers minus 170 at home against the Devils. Love the Rangers there. Tampa looking to bounce back from this loss. They are playing, obviously, second out of a back-to-back. Heavily favored, minus 350, the biggest favorite on the board, at home against the Red Wings. And the Wild, second out of a back-to-back, minus 200 at the Sabres. So you're looking at maybe the Lightning, who lost at home to the Penguins 5-1 to one in a bounce-back spot on Friday as heavy favorites against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, although, Detroit's a team that just beat the Hurricanes 4-3. to They're also a team that on last Saturday was losing against the Maple Leafs. They were losing 7-2 to going into the third period of that game before they scored, I think it was four straight in the third period to turn a 7-2 game into a 7-6 game. Now, they eventually went on to lose 10-7, but this is a team that's got no quit in them. Might be a team to uh, play here as another heavy underdog on the road, although I do believe the Lightning uh, would be in a bounce-back spot here. Taking a look at the NHL standings, Tampa just one point back of Florida for first place in the Atlantic Division. Two points ahead of Toronto. The Bruins are four points back of Toronto for that third spot in the Atlantic in the metropolitan, the hurricanes are three points ahead of the penguins who are three points ahead of the Rangers Rangers, six points ahead of the capitals for the three and the uh, four in the West, the avalanche 84 points. They are well in control of not just their division, well in control for the President's Trophy. St. Louis, though, is in second place, just three points ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota, three points ahead of Nashville, four points ahead of Dallas. So that race is not over. In the Pacific, Calgary's in first place with 71 points, six points ahead of the Kings, who are one point ahead of the Oilers, who are tied with the Golden Knights, who are three points ahead of the Ducks. I talked about it being a dangerous time for Vegas, and it really is. You know, they've won just four out of their last ten games. And, yeah, I loved them the other night in in a bounce-back spot after losing two straight at home against the Sharks with Robin Leonard back in net. Uh, but then, you know, they play against the Bruins here at home again, and this one just uh, did not go their way. Robin Leonard gives up four goals on 35 shots uh, Swayman, I, I I sung this kid's praises last night. Um, you know, 34 saves in this game, another win for the Bruins. And now you got to believe that Brassois is going to be back in net for the Golden Knights as they play the second of a back-to-back on Friday. I'm starting to like the Ducks more and more. Here is an underdog as a home dog here on on Friday, just because of you know everything that I just mentioned. So. Uh, the standings very tightly contested here in the Western Conference. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll talk more about uh, the NHL, uh, maybe some future bets. Lou Finnecaro will join me coming up next. And uh, also, we got to get into this UFC card for the weekend, Masvidal against Covington. Talked a little bit about it earlier this week. We'll get uh, Lou's insight into this card and what he thinks is going to happen with the main event. Uh, we, we know that Covington is a heavy favorite over Masvidal. What is the path to a victory for Jorge as an underdog? And is there ways to play this fight where we could cash a nice ticket? Maybe on a round prop, maybe on the fight outcome prop. So we're going to ask Lou which ways he is playing, not just this fight, but the entire card coming up here on Saturday. I'm Scott Sidenberg. It's the look ahead here on v v in the Sports Betting Network. Compete for free with the Modelo Golden Ticket Challenge. Join three UFC contests to fight for your share of $20,000 in total cash and prizes. Plus, find out if you'll walk away with the Modelo Golden Ticket and claim floor seats to every pay-per-view fight for a year. Head to DraftKings.com slash now to get in on the action. Modello. The official beer partner of the UFC. No purchase necessary. Must be 21 years or older. Terms and conditions, eligibility, and rules are at DraftKings.com. Please drink responsibly. Scott Sattenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. We will talk all things UFC with our next guest, Lou Finacaro. You follow on Twitter at Lou. You read his stuff in Point Spread Weekly. And, Lou, before we get into the fights, we got to talk some hockey uh, I know a couple of weeks ago you gave out the Flames as a future bet in the Western Conference. I was right there with you. It's funny. I had just uh, talked about them as, you know, my favorite future bet. And then we have your video popping up on the, on the Vsin feed. I was like, play Lou. He agrees with me. Play Lou. Uh, Calgary loses to Montreal here tonight, though. But that doesn't deter you away from uh, them in the future market, does it?
3: Uh, well, first of all, Scott, thanks for let uh, let me come on uh, late <laughs> night like this. Anytime, uh, I love it. I love hockey. And to answer your question, no. If if anything, and, uh, and you look at hockey like I do, you realize that the regular season is a different sport than the postseason. And I say that because in the postseason, that's when big boys put their suspenders on and tighten their skates really tight and play real hockey. And by that, I mean, there is no three on three cotton ball overtime. Yep. And if you look at Calgary, what they do tonight? Well, they lost three on three in overtime and they have seven overtime losses This year. That's to be expected. If you turn those games into big boy suspender wearing, tighten your skates up overtime games where they can play five on five and their brand of hockey, which is dynamic goaltending outstanding blue line that insulates that goaltender. And then if they can score a goal, okay, they will be built for success in the playoffs and overtime games where they are not built for success in the regular season. And tonight's game is a perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously everyone's talking about Colorado, but we've seen Colorado come up short in the postseason before. And if there was a team that could give Colorado fits when it comes to a playoff series, I think Calgary's right up there with them. Another team in the Western Conference that I think could be dangerous, Lou, is the St. Louis Blues. They got goaltending, even though I don't know which one they would go with, whether it's Bennington or Uso, but Uso's been great this year. Uh, Not as of late, but Bennington also has the experience. Can St. Louis make a run here in the playoffs?
3: St. Louis is a team that absolutely qualifies, and for me, it's Bennington. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis, in St. Louis, they believe it's Bennington, yeah. and I think they're trying to get him and keep him fresh for a playoff run, because if he can be Jonathan Quick-like and turn that switch on, that team then becomes a team just like Calgary that plays
1: from the goal out. I love what you said, Jonathan Quicklight. And for those people that don't understand the reference, you know, the Kings make the playoffs as an eighth seed. Jonathan Quick plays out of his mind. They go on to win the Stanley Cup. Like, this is what happens in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You ride a hot goaltender all the way through the series. And that's why I'm not just saying this as a homer, Lou. I'm back in the New York Rangers in the Eastern Conference at plus 1100 because – you, no one's going to argue. Igor Shesterkin's winning the Vesna this year. He's the leader in goals against average, leader in save percentage, and in the playoffs, if Igor stays strong, the Rangers will have a chance to win every series.
3: Yes, and it's because they play in the regular season a postseason style of play, and that's why they're buried a little bit into the standings. You have to look a little deeper. you got to look at shots against. you got to look at goals against. You have to understand who the goaltender is. But I agree with you completely that the Rangers are a team that can throw a real monkey wrench into some of those high-flying, precision-based, tiptoeing, open ice teams like Toronto and Florida.
1: Yeah, and a guy that is certainly uh, key in doing that is a guy like Ryan Reeves, who we know very well from his time here in Vegas. But him on the Rangers, there's no enforcers now in the NHL. It's just a different game. But to have physical players like Ryan Reeves, I think helps a Rangers team more so than you know Toronto
3: in hockey in the playoffs. The puck goes to the corner, and you got to have your muckers. Mm-hmm. And that's a hockey term from 50 years ago, and Ryan Reeves is one of the best.
1: In the top of the Eastern Conference, you have Florida, you have uh, the Lightning, um, and the Maple Leafs, obviously, in that Atlantic division, Carolina in the Metropolitan. These are teams that score a lot of goals, Lou. Uh, which of those teams are would you be looking to maybe fade come playoff time?
3: Uh, For a couple reasons, it would be Carolina. Number one, 130 goals against is 20 better than anyone else in that whole uh, division. As well, Carolina's a team, little like Colorado, that has been there the last couple of years with really talented teams and a lot of expectation and got their nose bloodied. That is a prerequisite for playoff success.
1: Mm, Okay, so we're going to ride Carolina. What about maybe going against somebody. Are we are we fading Toronto? Come playoff time? Tampa? Well, I mean, can light can question. lightning strike three times in a row? <laughs> yeah, the lightning can strike three times in a row. I,
3: I need another twenty games, which is about what's left in the season to determine uh if they really if if uh Vasilevsky's Uh, season has been an aborigin or if it has not uh, aberration, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Vaskaleski can come back. If you look at uh, Tampa Bay's record, they also have seven overtime losses. And that's because just like Toronto now, Colorado to an extent, and Florida, Tampa used to play that high-flying, wide-open kind of really regular-season type of hockey, and they got their nose bloodied five, six, seven years in a row in the playoffs till they turned heavy and from the goal out. So I still regard Tampa as a team that can be there. I regard uh, New York Rangers as a flyer, but I regard the team to beat as the Carolina Panthers. How
1: dangerous Excuse can be the Carolina yes. Hurricane? how dangerous can the Bruins be uh, the way that this kid Swayman is playing in net uh you know he's certainly uh rejuvenated this team a bit
3: he has they de- it looks like they're going to make the playoffs you have to regard the Bruins as as a legit contender for a while there when it looked like they may be trying to get their old goaltender bag, I actually took a little future on them, because if they can solve those goaltending problems, that's a a great team that that can play from the goal out with tremendous veteran-laden experience.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's take a look at this uh, Friday card here. Vegas is playing the second night of a back-to-back in Anaheim against the Ducks. Leonard returned a couple of nights ago. He played tonight, which means it's probably going to be Bressois in net in Anaheim. Vegas is a small favorite. I like Anaheim as a as the dog here. Where are you on this game? So uh,
3: until the playoffs come, I won't actually invest. Okay. But I do look at these games, and I, I tend to agree with you. I like Anaheim. I, I, in a sense, I... Um, I, I look at Vegas as a little bit stale, and I think Anaheim is ascending at the right time of the season.
1: They got a lot of young talent, and, and this Vegas team, look, they're banged up by injuries. We know that, but uh, they're in trouble here. I mean, you look at the standings in the Western Conference, and and, and they're in a dangerous uh, situation where they lose a couple more games here, and the teams behind them start winning. They're going to be on the outside looking in here, and they're right now the second favorite It it, it just doesn't make sense the way that the futures market is on this Golden Knights team. But I guess that's because of hype and because of the success that they've had ever since they came into the league. You
3: know, it's very funny. One day early on before Vegas had arrived in Vegas, I was about to go on and humans was on with Mr. Vaccaro. And he asked Mr. Vaccaro, hey, you get any play on playoff hockey? And Jimmy looked at him and said, no, no. I mean, it was like perfect. That's why I'm playing it. However, once Vegas hit the scene, everything changed. And I think the hype and the success of the Knights in Las
1: Vegas affects that number. And I think that's why you're seeing the future skewed a little bit, Scott. Yeah, totally makes sense. Lou, hang with me for one more segment so we can talk everything UFC 272. We'll get into the main card. Plus, with the uh, with Covington being such a heavy favorite, I want to find out from you if there are any better ways to play this fight so that we can turn a nice profit here come Saturday in UFC 272. He's Lou Finnecaro. You read his stuff in Point Spread Weekly, of course. You follow him on Twitter, at GamBlue. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at Scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S, O-N-A-I-R UFC 272 talk coming up next here on the look ahead on Vsin the sports betting network
3: Flash store
1: This is the look ahead on Vsin the sports betting network Join the College Hoops action for free with the March Mania Survivor presented by KFC. Pick winning teams throughout the tournament to outlast the competition and feast on your share of $30,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash KFC March Mania now to play for free for your cut of the cash. KFC, it's finger licking good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VCN the Sports Betting Network, rejoined by Lou Finicaro, Point Spread Weekly Contributor. You can also uh catch his work on Twitter at GamBlue. You got a podcast now, right? About uh what is it? Bout, what's, what's the name of the podcast you got coming out now?
3: About business podcast. Yes. it drops, it drops on Fridays. It's 16 or 17 minutes, and it's just final releases for
1: UFC cards. Each week there is a card, and boy, is there a big card this week. Absolutely. Maz Vidal, who's a, a pretty well-off man now that he got his new contract. He is a heavy underdog, though, Lou, against Colby Covington. These guys, former best friends, former training partners, Bad blood now with the with everything going on. What what's what's the backstory here going into this fight and, and how do you see these guys against each other?
3: I'm trying to determine if it's really 110% bad blood or if these guys are uh putting on a mm. epic play. Mm. Um however, what they're selling is tickets to a fight. Masvidal just got a contract, he uh just started a new Professional Fighters League Bare Knuckle. He took the wild success that he earned uh, after a couple decades plus in the fight game. Masvidal is an original Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz OG from Miami, the Diaz boys from California. But Masvidal is uh, as authentic as it gets. However, at 37 in this stage of his career, in my opinion, he is no longer a viable top five, top seven welterweight. He's really a touch undersized for welterweight. However, his magnetism, his mouth, and his popularity sell seats. The UFC's parlaying that into great pay-per-views. And here we go, uh, Masvidal against Covington. Masvidal will do his best to keep distance in the larger cage, which is 20% wider than the cage at the apex. So Masvidal is going to have room to run, maneuver, and try and maintain distance, while Covington his single point of focus will be to get his hands on Masvidal, take him to the mat, and dominate him from top position. How does this fight go? I, I think it goes the rest, the unrelenting wrestler's way. That's Covington. And I think that in the first round, George will be able to fend off takedowns. I also believe that he's going to pull an arrow out of his quiver and try something Ben Askren-like, mm. that to me is his only way to try and win this fight. And as I try and search for angles in this fight, because I'm not chasing Colby at minus 330, I think the, the best uh, angle right now that I'm settling with, and it's prior to weigh-ins, which occur tomorrow morning uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific time, I think that the fight does not go the distance is the way that I'm going to set up shop on this main event, Scott, because it's 25 long minutes. Guys hate each other. They're going to spend some energy in there uh, against each other. And I do think that Covington could finish him. And if George strikes lightning and uh, you know hits him with a spinning elbow or a round kick, who knows what could happen? but I don't think this fight goes all five rounds. And that currently is a plus 100 to plus
1: 110 proposition. That's probably where I set up. What about, so if you think, so I I agree. Mazvidal's only path to victory is a knockout, right? He's not going to win on points and he's not going to submit him, obviously. So betting Mazvidal by knockout, you can get at, let's say it is plus 400 but I think Covington has paths to victory by both knockout and possibly by submission. Would you take a flyer on Colby by submission? I would,
3: I would not take a flyer on Colby by knockout or KO because he, in his fights, he tends to do most of his damage through accumulation and volume. He doesn't really have that power. Uh, However, I do believe that he would like nothing more than to break a knee, break an elbow, or choke George out.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Col- uh Colby, that is plus 800 for Colby Covington to win by submission. And uh, Masvidal by knockout is plus 400. I think I'm going to sprinkle on both, Lou. Like, I'm going to diversify this portfolio to have uh Covington by the submission and Masvidal by KO, and as long as this fight doesn't go the distance, uh, I'll be happy here. So that's the way I'm going to play it. Uh, What is the next most attractive uh, fight to you here on this card?
3: You know, it's interesting. There's 14 fights on the card and 13 of them are very, very bettable. However, I'll talk about one that I discussed in the Point Spread Weekly this week, and that's uh, Thug Nasty, uh, Bryce Mitchell, wrestling farm kid from the uh, Outback farmland of Arkansas. This Mm -hmm. kid, when I say he's country strong, I grew up in Nebraska. When you bale hay and throw hay around all year long, you are country strong. You can pick up a tractor. That's (laughs) what this kid is, laced with really great grappling ability. He fights Adrian Barboza, excuse me. Edson Barboza, and Barboza used to be a lightweight, 155 pounds, that's moved down to 145 and has found great success. He's been in with the who's who of both divisions, and his experience, even though he's 36 years old and somewhat and considerably older than Mitchell, I think that the fact that this is a three round fight with his experience puts him in a very advantageous position in the larger cage to use his movement and keep Mitchell standing and at the end of his strikes. And if he does that, it'll be a one-sided fight. He must not let Mitchell get a hold of him. Mitchell's a minus 165, maybe 170 favorite here. And so for that reason, I think Barboza plus 150 is a really live dog. And I would caution uh, listeners to be patient with this one because they're coming in on Mitchell and this price is go- growing. Uh Barbosa opened 135. He's one fifty now. He could easily be fifty-five sixty by the time the fight goes off.
1: Interesting stuff. Uh you know it's also interesting is this uh Rafael dos Años fight because uh Renato Moicano is coming in on what five five days to 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 fight this uh to to, to pick up this fight here. I know he made quick work of his last fight, but uh, Dos Anjos is a minus 190 favorite now. Moicano plus 160, Uh, is it Dos Anjos or stay away? What, What do you like in this fight?
3: Yeah, this is gonna be very interesting. Not only does Moicano take it on five days notice, but he fought 21 days ago. That's a quick turnaround. This is also now a catch weight, no longer 155, it's 160. Moicano's last fight was 45. THE WEIGHT BEING 160 IS A HUGE ADVANTAGE FOR DOS ANOS THAT USED TO FIGHT AT 170, NOW FIGHTS AT LIGHTWEIGHT, 155. Moicano, on the other hand, used to fight at 145, and now fights at 55. So it, at 160, it's all advantage Dos Años, who opened like 165 or 170. So you can see uh, the betters are are aware of the advantage for Dos Años just in the structure of his frame and his size.
1: Do you think that that fight gets, uh, goes the distance or can uh, can go inside the distance?
3: Oh Boy, that's a that's a great question, because I do believe that's a three round fight. And so for that reason, I I think uh, I think it probably goes decision. I'd look at, you know, a dos años decision kind of a a, a outcome would be what I'm thinking right now.
1: Okay, and then final question. Uh, We got about a minute left here. Are we completely fading Greg Hardy at all costs now?
3: Uh, Provided Greg Hardy fights uh, someone that is not going to try and take him down, I think he he has opportunities. He wobbled Tai Tuivasa from Ty's lips to his ankles in that last fight, Mm. and then bull rushed in and got knocked out. I give Greg Hardy a very, very strong chance in this fight against a guy that doesn't move his head and is... A little bit undersized for heavyweight. Hardy's going to. Hardy weighed three hundred earlier in the week. He's going to cut to two sixty five, get in there, rehydrate. I give Hardy a, a knockout player's chance. I like him as a
1: dog here. Okay, little puncher's chance for Greg Hardy. Lou, appreciate the time and the insight. We'll be following along. We'll be listening to the podcast, and we'll hope to catch up with you soon.
3: Okay, great show, Scott. Thanks for having me on, and good luck, everyone.
1: Thanks, Lou. You follow him on Twitter at GamBlue. And uh, great insight in Point Spread Weekly and Bout Business, the podcast dropping on Fridays. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v Sin the sports betting network. is the look ahead on V-SIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next college basketball bet, be sure to visit vSIN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over under and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. Vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vSin.com. Scott Satanberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. NFL Combine underway. How about Chris Olave running that uh, 42640? That was certainly. Impressive and was all over Twitter as everyone uh, had their eyes opened up to how fast the Ohio State wide receiver is. Uh, But I was very curious for a a couple of things surrounding the combine. And, you know, obviously it's going to continue this weekend and whatnot. But the reports came out on Kenny Pickett having the smallest hands Of any quarterback currently in the NFL. And I think that it's hilarious. And I believe it was, I got to give credit. And I think it was Ross Tucker. Let me see. I'll pull up his Twitter to see if he had it. Um, Yes. Ross Tucker had a great tweet. All right. Here's Warren Sharp, uh, who's from Sharp Football, who talked about this. um, the, The size of the hands, right? So the last successful quarterback with that hands was was Mike Vick and, and all that stuff. Okay, get it. Ross Tucker tweeted out something funny. He goes, Kenny Pickett's hands are way too small for him to play in a cold weather NFL city like Pittsburgh. You get it? Because he played college football at Pittsburgh and had all the success in Pittsburgh. So I, I know it's, it's pretty funny when people talk about the hand size and whatnot, as if we just didn't see what this kid has done in college and the numbers that he put up, right? And I get it, the hand size, because you want to protect the football and all that stuff. But your offensive line's good, and if your technique is good, if you have two hands on the ball in the pocket, not one hand, you're not going to get it stripped away from you. That many times. And I'd love to know um, how many times that Kenny Pickett fumbled the ball in college. You know, he fumbled 26 times in, let's see, 26 times in his entire college career. Is that a lot? In his career, let's see how many games he played. 26 times in, let's see, 14, 26, 36, 39, 48, and 52. So in 52 games, fumbled 26 times. I guess that's a lot fumbling you know, what is, what is that average? A half a fumble a game? You fumble once every two games? I don't think it's that crazy. Here's what I like about Kenny Pickett. Uh, 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions last year. 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions. <laughs> he also rushed for five touchdowns. Rushed for eight touchdowns last season. I think Kenny Pickett will be a fine NFL quarterback. Uh, But who could be the first quarterback taken? Malik Willis seems to be on everybody's big board as the number one quarterback taken in this draft. There's the odds. You see, look, Kenny Pickett at plus 120 last week, now plus 150. Malik Willis plus 150, now plus 110. There's been some rumors out there about Malik Willis That possibly the Lions could take Malik Willis with the second overall pick. I don't know if that's the move for the Lions. But I do think that the news coming out is smart. And I've talked about this before. I talked about sprinkling money on Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, but really Malik Willis because it seems to be the guy that everyone's talking about, on him to be the first overall pick. And the number has gone down significantly. You could have gotten this number well over 50 to 1. I think now it's down to 35 to 1. But hear me out. The reasons I gave for Malik Willis going number one overall had nothing to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars. What it had to do, well, I guess it slightly had to do with the Jaguars. But my thought process was, if the Lions leak it out there, that they're going to take Malik Willis at number two. If there is a team that needs a quarterback behind the Lions and they want Malik Willis, they would then trade up with the Jaguars to get the number one pick and leapfrog the Lions. Maybe it's the Texans at number three. Maybe it's the Panthers at number six. Maybe it's the Broncos at number nine or Washington at number 11. Because for Jacksonville, they clearly don't need the quarterback. If offensive line is what their target is, well, it doesn't have to be Evan Neal. It could be Ike Iquem, uh, It can be uh, Cross. And you can get some of these guys later in that top range of picks. You don't have to be the number one overall pick. You could trade down to six with the Panthers, and then you acquire even more assets, which will help you turn your team around sooner rather than later. I actually think it's in the Jaguars' best interest to trade the pick, and it stinks for them because this year, this NFL draft, it's it's not a great draft where there's superstar players at the top. This is more like a meat and potatoes draft. You know, linemen, defensive players. This isn't a real sexy draft. But if it was, if there was a draft, like with a bunch of quarterbacks that were attractive, then man, they would certainly get a haul for that number one pick. But the only way that they would trade out of it is if there's a team that fears, or first of all, There has to be a team that really wants Malik Willis, and then they have to fear that the Lions are going to take him at two overall. So, where does that fear begin? And if you're the Detroit Lions, don't you want that to happen? Because maybe you're not even going to take Malik Willis at two overall. And then someone jumps ahead of you, gets Malik Willis number one overall, and then you're sitting there at two with your pick of the litter of You can get Evan Neal, solidify your offensive line, or bring in Aiden Hutchinson, and you get the pass rusher. I think they would get Aiden Hutchinson anyway, because the the Jaguars are going offensive tackle. And speaking of the tackle, speaking of the the Jaguars here, everyone's talking about them taking Evan Neal, which I, I get. It makes sense. The offensive tackle position is the position of need for them. But Are we talking about Evan Neal just because he's the better player? Or are we talking about Evan Neal because he's the more known player? Because Ikem Akwonu is at plus 450 to go number one overall when Evan Neal is like minus 115 now. And I think you could sprinkle money on Kwonu to go number one because it's the same handicap as Neal. It's the tackle, and maybe the Jaguars like him better, right? One player has immediate. Pay off another team, another player has more upside. Obviously, we'll get through the entire combine and we'll see what these teams are thinking and where they're leaning. And then over the next several weeks, really the next month and a half, we'll hear all the rumors about what's going down in the NFL and what we can expect when the draft comes here to Las Vegas at the end of April. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Interesting time in college hoops, conference tournaments underway. We are heating up towards the close of the regular season. We'll break down what went down in the schedule on Thursday. Look ahead to the weekend coming up next. This is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg. You can follow us all on Twitter here at v Live. It's the Sports Betting Network.